I was I was so close to hitting the wrong button. <laughs> I like paused for a second. I was like, nope, that's not the right one, Max. <laughs> hey well, everybody, it. it's me, Maximus. I'm not sick have, anymore. <laughs> we do have double names on the bottom though. Like, oh, that's an accident. Break. Whoops. Oh yeah. Presents Casters and Ketchup's Tome of Knowledge. Directed How do I by fix that? Jagger. Oh, there we go. I fixed it. <laughs> that's a different. That was a different. Uh, that was a different asset uh, when that was, was in here. Was just, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just doing me. And the new and improved one, all the names are just included. And the old one, they were separate. But anyway, hi everybody, it's me, Maximus, I'm here with Virtual Spectre and Moves Like Jagger from the GGN crew. And you are watching, 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 or listening to Toma Knowledge, our show Let's where we talk him. about D and D. Yeah, watching. Like watching. Watching the watching. The watching. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Captain Erock, thank you Whoa! so much for the raid, dude. Erock. Happy doing? birthday, well, Captain Erock. Oh, it's Erock's B Day. Happy birthday. Yeah, he's a handsome lad, a year older. Wow. Happy birthday, dude. He's the best. Go follow that man. Yeah. He was also on in uh campaign one. Where he yes, played Barnaby. a, a yeah. little special guest as Barnaby. Harangum. That's yeah, fine. Little, little mm -hmm. bunny guy. Hip hopping in. <clears throat> that was probably that was probably one of my favorite little guest side quests, I think. I think it worked out really well. It was like a it was a little off the like main quest, but still like completely worked out and was like a self-contained story. I think that one was my favorite one. Yeah. It had a had a clean, clean ending. Yep. Yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> he was Bun's favorite because he was a bunny. That makes sense. <laughs> but thank you all so much, people that are here that are rating. I appreciate it. You're watching our little D and D talk show. We're gonna be covering the brand new um, playtest that D and D just released. Be covering a couple things, talking about what's different, what's changed. Uh, but if you haven't, I would implore you to go check out our YouTube, uh, where we were. We are very close to the necessary watch hours that we need to get emotes and other fun things over there. Um, so we've got other fun stuff. We got stuff that's only on YouTube, like our shorts. We just had one drop today. We also have our show is called Out of Combat, which is our exclusive sort of behind the scenes. After each episode, we're a group of players, and sometimes me will we'll talk about what happened in the episode, talk about kind of what the players were thinking, like what went into their decision making and all that stuff. So. Go check that stuff out. That's only on the YouTubes. And we are, hold on, let me math in my okay. mind. 41 hours away from hitting our 3,000 hours oh. viewed milestone on YouTube. So, hey, thank you. People put in the work in here. The watches one of our past uh, sessions, puts it up while they're cooking or cleaning or working out, then we'll hit that right away. I didn't know we were that close. Yeah, we're very, then very close. After three, then we're then four is the next one, and that's that's the yeah. big one for us. Four is the dream. That is, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Iraq, I love people that like that kind of make a character and like fall in love with that character and then continue continue them on uh, elsewhere in other in other adventures. That's well, awesome. I want to hear the stories of Barnaby. In, yeah, in the, the tales of Barnaby. Yeah, in like some big like Bilbo Baggins like book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> in his little rabbit hole house. There, there, and hop again. <laughs> Here, oh no, 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 hair and gone again, sir. Ooh, <laughs> that one's good too. <laughs> But anyway, welcome on in here, everybody. Um, glad you all could join us. Uh, but other than that, y'all want to jump into this new UA? There's a lot of cool changes. This is so this Unearthed Arcana is now officially the largest Unearthed Arcana that D and D has ever put out. Seventy-seven page runies, even bigger than uh, the last one, which so. was already big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we won't be able to cover everything on this episode uh because there's just so much in this um ua test but max Mm -hmm. uh did awesome homework and he's gonna do like a speed run summary and then we're just gonna talk about our our favorite things or things Mm -hmm. we're excited for and then things uh we don't like Yeah, yeah yeah so what i've done is i've i've assembled just a couple of like quick hits on like things that that kind of affect the overall um kind of ua and then, you know, you can look at your favorite class and see what's changed and, and kind of go through there for yourself because we don't have time to cover it all tonight. But uh, I will say, like, the big the big rocks of Playtest 6 are, like, Weapon Mastery. Apparently, it tested very well in uh, the fifth Playtest, which is the one before this one. So Weapon Mastery is here to stay, and they've actually expanded it to include additional classes. So not only, I think it was originally with Fighters and Barbarians, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the last and then, playtest, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then yeah. now it's including Fighters, Barbarians, as well as Rogue, Ranger, Paladin, and Monk all have Weapon Mastery of some sort of form or fashion in their class. Another big change that they did for this playtest is uh, they changed the capstone features back to what they previously were. So in previous playtests, the classes sort of capstone feature was at level 18. Uh, and then at level 20, they gave them an epic boon, sort of epic boon yeah. feat. Uh, they've reverted that for this playtest so that now the classes capstone features are back to level 20. Uh, and there's no more epic boon feat sort of built in. Uh, into the classes anymore and from what i've seen in some of the interviews and stuff that they're they still have plans for epic boon feats but they're not going to bake them into classes uh, anymore from what i've seen Hmm. and then another big change are the subclass progressions so what they've noted is that all the subclass progression like what you get per level on each subclass is basically shifted back to the original version they did in 2014 um I think that they had originally tried to make everything sort of in line where every single gla- every single class had a subclass feature all at the same level across the board, which I think introduced some other like balancing issues and some other problems. So they kind of cut that out, put it back to what the 2014 version was with one exception is that uh, every subclass starts at third level across the board now. So every single club cl- subclass uh, for every class will be at third level. So no more, you know, first level, second level type stuff for certain people like wizards or clerics. It's all third level. So I think those are the major like overarching changes that I saw from my quick look at it. Uh, and then kind of what we did is me, VS and moves all picked a sort of class we wanted to deep dive into. 
and then we'll kind of go into those three and see sort of where to go from there. Um, there's also like updated spell stuff too, if that interests you. Um, but like I said, this is huge mungus, uh, and, and we're not going to have time with it, especially since, uh, next week, uh, my dad's going to be on the stream <laughs> with yeah. us for, for uh, Toma knowledge where my dad's coming on stream to talk about when he played D and D in the early nineties and share some of his adventures and his stories that he had. So it'll be a really fun time. Be here for that one. That'll be fun. Mm hmm. Very yeah, exciting. it's gonna be really cool. I'm I'm surprised he agreed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll do it. Um, but anyway, uh, I guess we can start into the classes. Do you you want to start first, Moobs? Sure. Uh, we'll we'll break format since VS goes first usually. But I told you it was different this time because someone pointed up, out maybe? to me that VS always goes first, <laughs> and I, I wanna I wanna spread the love around so you don't feel neglected. <laughs> uh so uh one of the classes that i uh am probably excited for is the bard um because currently i don't really like bards uh they don't seem like a class that i would enjoy playing currently other than the role-playing aspect of playing a bard but mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of cool stuff that's happening with bard in this uh unearth arcana and uh, the number one thing that kind of blew my mind when I was reading it was that when you, at a level one, as a bard, you get to decide which spell, was it? Spell type? Spells section? Like, What's the word I'm looking for here? Yeah. I'm trying to think of that word. But they're dividing because now magic is in three types, subtypes mm -hmm. now. So there's primal, there's arcane, and then there's divine. So as a bard, you get to choose which path of spellcasting you want to be. So you could be an arcane bard, you could be a divine bard, or you could be a primal bard, which kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Is, uh, that you're no longer pigeonholed to pick the arcane path mm -hmm. uh, or be an arcane spellcaster. So now, like, if you're a bard from the druid circle, you can be a druid bard. It's using primal spells. Yeah. Um, or if you're a, an evangelicalist, from the, the Church of Paylor, for example, if we're going with Greyhawk, uh, you could be a bard of the church of whatever deity you are serving. So mm -hmm. I thought that was like, wow, that's a huge game changer because that really changes up the play styles of bards because you're now casting from a different uh, field of magic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've simple it where it's, it's spell, they're calling them spell lists for yeah, the, new, the new um, D&D, D&D 1, I forgot what they called it. So there's three like giant like pillars or spell lists, arcane, divine, and primal. That got me excited to play bard because uh, I typically enjoy playing divine spellcasters. So if I could be a divine bard, that would be pretty dope. Um, and another thing they change is, uh, I believe, yeah, bardic inspiration. Um, the Well, the die already scaled as you leveled, but now instead of it, being just 10 minutes, like if you grant inspiration to someone, they only have 10 minutes or in-game 10 minutes to use the inspiration. Now it lasts for an hour, which is super awesome. Oh. Uh, so, so, um, and it's up to two creatures. So two creatures can hold their inspiration die for one hour. Uh, so like if you're going through a dungeon, you can, you can hold on to it uh, for skill checks or combat rules or anything like that, saves, uh, which is super cool. Um, I think bards still have their own cantrip list. So 
though it's not particularly part of the the spell list of primal arcane or or divine so they still have their own set of cantrips um and then in this playtest because uh, normally in the old uas they just had they just focused on one subclass so in this one they kind of revamped like a handful of subclasses that you can you can chest out chest out i wanted that's just you <laughs> wow i want to back you up because i think i was reading i haven't looked through the bard yet but for cantrips it says you know two cantrips of your choice from from your bard spell list and then when you look uh, above to the chosen spell list it says this chosen list becomes your bard spell list so if you're a divine bard you get divine cantrips if you're a, a primal okay, bard it. you get primal cantrips which is pretty cool nice wow. Uh, they also added a brand new subclass for bards. Um, I'll get into that later when I get to the subclasses. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I, if, I, I would love to play a bard now. This seems like a lot of fun. Uh, they moved to Jack of All Trades. It's down to level two now. Uh, and yeah, then you get the subclasses. I found it interesting that a lot of this UA reverted to like, we're going to go back to 2020 or 2014 version or 2018 or whatever. So it's mm -hmm. like interesting. Uh, instead of like, they're just, going back to stuff that worked i guess mm -hmm. um and i think there's a lot of speculation around that they're so late in the process now um especially since they had to do so much damage control <laughs> from <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the wizards been doing a lot of damage yeah. control recently yeah <laughs> see some of our previous uh podcasts about that um that they're running out of time to try all these new things and then properly test them and evaluate them because this new stuff is supposed to come out in 2024. Uh, and from what I've been seeing is that they need at least what, like four to six months for all of like the printing stuff and shipping and everything to be done. So back on all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I, go ahead. Now, is there anything stopping them from like delaying this? Like I, I'm, I guess I'm not sure why they're so dead set on it has to be like at a certain point next year or this stuff. I feel like on if it's not going to work, like you can delay. Oh, so, right? I don't know how it would work on like a book publishing side of things because uh, yeah, in game development, in game development, you can absolutely push back or delay or or and do that. But I I don't know if they have like contractual obligations with uh, distributors and printing and all that stuff where they have to get it out. I don't know if they they probably can delay it, and it's probably in it would be in more advantageous if they did delay it if they feel like mm -hmm. they are in this crunch trying to print get these these rules hammered down for the next edition um because otherwise because once you have a physical book if they make changes in erratas and they're like oh well this is going to work this way now then they have to like post that somewhere and that's that makes it really difficult for people yeah. who are mm -hmm. who enjoy playing physic with the physical book having to reference something online digitally um oh. Also, 2024 is D&D's 50th anniversary, so they're pushing really hard to get it out for their 50th okay. anniversary. Well, there it is. <laughs> Wizards That's wants why. their money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, Font of Inspiration is moved to level 5, uh, or return to 5, uh, and Counter Charm, which I always thought was stupid that you had to use an action to use Counter Charm. But now it's a reaction, which makes 100% sense. Because 
uh, if someone in your party gets charmed, you can use your action to counter charm now, which was more in line with counter spell. So I always thought it was weird that bards had to use an action to mm -hmm. counter charm someone. So that, that yeah. means someone was already charmed. And then you have to wait your turn to dispel that charm. But now you can just use a reaction like counter spell, which is uh, super awesome. I like that. Uh, and then level 10. I this one it blew my mind even more. Like my mind was already exploded. Now that exploded bits exploded. Um, <laughs> magical secrets is the feature they get at level ten, and bards gain access to all three spell lists. Whoa! I, yeah, so they become like this super uber arcane hierophant, which was a prestige class in three point five, where you mix a divine class with an arcane class. And now, now they just, they just it. They're, they're the arcane hierophants of awesomeness. They, uh, I know every level you could change, you could swap out a spell. So I don't know if like, I don't know when you acquire those spell lists, can you change your spells then? Or do you continue the routine of like, hey, every time you level, you can swap out a spell. So I don't know how that will work. It wasn't very clear. Well, they're now also prepared casters, aren't they? Um, they are? Yeah, I think no, no. they're prepared, aren't they? I so when I read it, I it says they're prepared, but then they said when they level, they swap out a spell. So that's that confused me. Unless oh. they are, uh, yeah, it says you rep prepare spells for each of your classes individually, referring to spell slots. Uh, yeah, so when you gain a bard level, you can replace one spell on your list with another spell that you have spell slots on your bard spell list. So that confused me because if, yeah. if they're prepared spellcaster they gain access to all of it right they just have to choose what spell they're going to cast for the day so i Unless, think maybe yeah maybe there is like a miscommunication or a typo i'm not really sure yeah because uh, because in their chart they have a list of how many prepared spells you you have so yeah. is it i guess they're using not, the word prepared spells but meaning it spells known like known like yeah spells known so are they changing the terminology or yeah because yeah. like at level 20 they have 22 prepared spells under the under the spell casting thing for it does say uh spell preparation is no longer tied to the level of your spell slot i don't know if that i'm not mm. a spell caster person i don't know so that has anything what, to do with it so what they're <laughs> saying is um you no longer get because normally you would have like you get X amount of level one spells, X amount of level two spells, continue and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But now it's just a mega spell list and you get 22 spells. Like say oh. you're level 20, you get 22 spells to choose from, from level one to level nine. So it's up to you how many level one spells you want, but you get 22 out of all those levels of spells. Oh, okay. so yeah. Looking at prepared spells of first level, yeah, it says you prepare the list of spells of first level and higher that are available for you to cast with this feature. To start, choose four first level spells from your bard spell list. The number of spells in your list also increases as you gain bard levels, shown in the prepared spells column. Whenever that number increases, choose additional spells from their bard spell list until the number of spells on your list matches the number on the table. Okay. Yeah, this makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, this, that part I found uh, very confusing. So I hope they kind of clarify what they mean there. 
Does it? Uh, does it? Yeah, because it almost seems to me that when you think of a prepared caster, you have every spell available, but you can only prepare X four of them. Spells. Yeah. Yeah. Where like traditional wizards, um, or or sorcerers or spontaneous casters, you get like your set, and that's it. It sounds yeah. like there's still uh like you're gonna have spells that are just always prepared. Yeah, because then it like what you're saying is it goes down to changing your prepared spells. Whenever yeah. you gain a bard level, you can replace one spell on your list with another spell for which you have spell slots, and that is on your bard spell list. So yeah, I, I it guess does, it's, it's no counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to I'm going to read ahead to what wizards do but <laughs> just to see how that compares. Um uh, uh, yeah. So that's why at level 10 I was like so how does that work when you gain now you have all access to all three spell lists. Um but well I guess we'll find out. Um hmm. And then uh yeah, then at level 18 they get superior inspiration. Um so when you roll initiative and have no uses of bardic inspiration, you can regain two expanded uses of it. Uh, and then level 20, is they get words of creation. Uh, you're the master of the prime words of creation uh, of life and death. So you can have power word heal and power word kill as prepared spells. Uh, and you can cast either of them. Uh, and you can cast it on a second target. So you can like super heal two people or super kill two people. Um, which I guess is cool. I don't, I don't like it when D and D just like, hey, you now can do this. It's not like a unique ability. It's just like they take a spell and then kind of change it a little bit. I don't. I feel like they should make a. If this is your capstone ability, it should be super cool and unique to that class instead of just granting you spells with a spin. Um. Yeah, and that's basically the bard. I'm pretty excited. Uh, but now we're going to subclasses. College of Dance is the new subclass. Oh boy. Ooh. And, and now instead of singing or playing an instrument, uh, you can now move people with the movements of your body and you can start dancing around. So you could be a dance bard. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, that's an interesting spin on a bard because they didn't really have that before. So mm -hmm. I thought it was super cool. You get unarmored defense. So you, now you could be a naked bard who just dances and and jiggles your I'm picturing your the band. dancer from like Final Fantasy 14. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, which yeah. is awesome. It makes sense. So you get your you get your armor class equal to 10 plus your dex modifier plus your charisma modifier. So you could be oh. a sexy dancing, dancing bard with no armor. Uh the ability they gave him, uh Agile Strikes, I thought was interesting but weird at the same time. Uh whenever you give someone or you use Bardic Inspiration. You can then use a bonus action or reaction to make an unarmed strike as part of this action. So, so I thought oh. that was it's kind of so like you, monk, but yeah. So you are like, I'm gonna do a, a spin a Rooney dance move and give VS bardic inspiration because I'm spinning so fast. I'm I kick someone in the face. Oh, um, I'm looking at the next section called bardic damage, and that makes a lot more sense. But but go yeah. ahead. You also get bardic damage. You can use your dex instead of strength when making an attack roll with unarmed strikes. And when you deal damage with the honor strike, you can deal bludgeoning damage equal to your roll of bardic inspiration die plus your dexterity modifier. 
So I guess that's pretty cool because your it's like bardic <laughs> die, yeah, it's like as your bardic. Let's say you're level ten and you do a little spinnerini move, you get do a d10 damage because that's your bardic die. So I thought that was interesting. But also, does I don't think it really makes sense because after that, you go into other th- things that that's like the only thing that makes bards do damage. For that the, and it says the roll doesn't expend the die. Does that mean like this is like a free thing? It just doesn't count against your resources? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. That's like better than monk then because you, monk, you still have to spend the discipline point for, or I guess you. Well, no, you're you're strike. It's like basically the martial arts die. Yeah, I'm thinking of flurry of blows. Never yeah, mind. yeah. It's just one hit, but you're you're using inspiration. Yeah, chart. you're already expending bardic inspiration that resource, but then you can that, make a little yeah. free slap with it. Yeah. I have an update, by the way, on the prepared thing. Oh, when okay, you want to. So I was looking ahead, or I guess looking at cleric. So they're trying to use the same terminology across every single class. It looks like. So everything says prepared spells of first plus level, and then it has changing your prepared spells. So for bard, it says whenever you gain a bard level, you can replace one spell on your list. If you look at cleric, it says whenever you finish a long rest, you can change your list of prepared spells. So they're using the same terminology of prepared spells, but different classes can do it when they level versus different classes can do it on a long rest, which I don't like. (laughs) They're different things. Don't call them the same thing. Yeah, that is too confusing. You should they're two different mechanics. You should name them differently. Yeah. Um yeah. And then level three you get inspiring movement. But thank you for Max for clarifying that. You got Um, it. uh, when an enemy you see ends its turn within five feet of an ally who is within 60 feet of you, you can use your reaction to spend a Bardic Inspiration to move up to half your speed and then roll Bardic Inspiration die and your ally can move a number of feet equal to five times that number rolled uh, without provoking attack of opportunity. Whoa. That's super cool if you have a squishy and then uh, you use your Bardic Inspiration pool to move and also your ally can move for, for free. Um, it's like you're cutting in on the dance. <laughs> and level six, Bardic, uh, the level six subclass ability, you get um, leading evasion. So basically, you get evasion, which is super cool. Makes sense if you're a dancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, also at level six, so I, I noticed like some of the subclasses give you two things sometimes per level. Like you get two things at level three or two things at level six. Um, and when you roll for initiative, uh, it's called tandem footwork. When you roll for initiative, you can roll as bardic inspiration, and everyone, or everyone can add um, their your charisma modifier to their initiative roll. That's cool. You know what's funny with that class feature or that subclass feature? Bigot evasion before rogue does. <laughs> <laughs> rogue oh, evasion at level seven. Oh, wow. Level seven. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, just a... Just, just an observation? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Take that how you... Uh, when I think evasion, man. I think of rogue. Which is yeah. funny. And, and monk. Yeah. I don't really think uh, of monk, to be honest, too often. And then That's level fair. 14, you get irresistible dance, which is you basically get the auto irresistible dance 
on your spell list and you can use it once per day without using a spell slot. Again, I don't like the capstone being a spell. I mean, granted, they get to do it for free, but at level 14, that doesn't really seem that yeah. great of a cap town, capstone for a, a, a subclass. It seems a little uninspired yeah, to me. They, they, do, they do this a lot. Um, Overall, yeah. yeah, sounds like a fun new subclass. I agree. Yeah. Super There's awesome. a lot of flavor there, and it's the mechanically, the stuff seems really awesome for somebody that really wants to fill that like charismatic support role. Sort it, of. It feels very roguelike. Yeah, I know that term gets tossed around a lot in video games, but this one actually feels roguelike. <laughs> Honestly, I wonder if you could combine this with something like. Um, swashbuckler or or what is that other rogue that's like uh, uh has a lot of um i don't know i don't I remember all the rogues in classes huh scout saying he's saying scout but it's, you're saying it so fast no well maybe maybe yeah <laughs> uh, and then yeah they they also cover mastermind that's what it thank is. you sir. mastermind yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, they offer they cover a couple other subclasses, um, but I'll I won't get into because I'll let you guys talk. But uh, one thing I was very disappointed was College of Valor, um, because you're like the sorty combatty bard. You don't get weapon masteries. Mm. Uh, I was like, well, what's the point? I feel like that that subclass was very blah, and I don't know if they even updated it. Uh, I don't I don't know what it was before, but I mean you can now whenever you attack you can expend a spell and and do stuff I guess uh, Yeah, would it be a, Since they are like a, a caster primarily would it be maybe they're trying to keep the weapon mastery stuff to Marshals and if the bard wants to have weapon mastery, then they have to take the feet. Take the feet. Mm. Mm, I yeah. think that's probably yeah, that what sense. it is. I guess that makes sense. It has a but nice little. Like, but... If it's like this is the bard who's the sword and slash dealing guy, you should give him at least one. You know. Yeah, they could limit it to a certain type weapon type too, like finesse weapons or something. Yeah, exactly. But, I guess. Yeah, I it's... guess they do have the feet, so that I guess that makes sense. But yeah. That's said the, they the made bard. some changes there to like martial training and like combat inspiration, like a couple small changes there, where you can use your weapon as a spellcasting focus now, as the yeah. as the um, College of Valor, which is helpful. Was that a sword bard thing before? But using a weapon as their the Valor bards, I don't. Mm-mm. There's a nice little purple box that's Valor, telling me but... what was the difference between 2014 and now. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Cool. Yeah, looks fun. Uh, I would enjoy playing that bard. Yeah, I, I like the College of Dance. It's super cool. Like the, the bard monk rogue hybrid. I think the coolest thing out of this is now it's just like pick your spell list. You can be whatever you can be whatever you want. You can be a arcane bard or divine bard or or primal yeah. bard. And then at level ten, it's like okay, have all of them, <laughs> have yeah. all the spell lists. <laughs> They're like, never mind, yeah, just do it all. <laughs> yeah, you could yeah, almost I, be I like, like a charisma based druid without wild shape. 
<laughs> yeah. Pretty pretty much. Yeah. Super that's cool. cool. That's I mean that's a lot there. of spells to choose from though. Like Yeah, three spell lists and let's say you're level let's say you're level twelve. You have to choose sixteen spells among three spell lists, which is kind of I don't know how much time you got. <laughs> hey, I mean, I guess that makes sense now is why they're a the spells known because God, imagine doing that every lock rest. Fuck that. <laughs> They're like, all right, long rest. You're like, oh, cool. Give me 30 minutes. Yeah. It's like, what spell <laughs> shall I use today? You know, pull out your big giant ass book of all the spells. Yeah. Uh, I think that was probably the, the highest highlight out of the classes for me is how much different the bar can be now. Mm-hmm. Nice. You want to talk about your favorite now, VS, or your your favored um, choice for today? I sure, yeah. I chose uh, to talk about the rogue since I'm currently playing one, um, and uh, my first ever class I played uh, was rather disappointing, and I didn't really want to talk about it, so I picked rogue. Um, and rogues got some fun changes to it um a lot of the stuff is very similar to how it was before um they did get some new things and there's been some tweaks so i guess diving in um i believe your your proficiencies and stuff i think are the same as it was before so like your armor your weapons uh, it does specify martial weapons that have finesse properties, so I don't know if that's just better wording than previous. I don't remember what it said on the old one. Um, no, it was just simple weapons, hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, and short swords. So now they just mm -hmm. say martial weapons that are finesse. That's awesome. So that's good. Um, light armor still... Uh, your level one feature now, it, uh, like before, is expertise, and that is pretty much the same. You also get your sneak attack at level one. Now, sneak attack has a subtle little change to it. Um, or, or at least maybe there's like more clarification on when you can do a sneak attack this time around. So it says... Once per turn, you can do extra damage to one creature you hit with an attack roll if you're attacking with finesse or range. Um, I don't know if they had changed that previously to, was it like once per round? What, it, what was it before? So previously, it was met with a lot of criticism where rogues, this is the 2014 where now it's once per turn. And in the first playtest, they made, they made you have to use the attack action to get sneak yeah. attack. And you can only use the attack I think the attack action on your turn, because attack and opportunity attack are different. Yes. So now it's not tied to the attack action anymore. It's mm -hmm. there's more chances for you to do sneak attack. You can get it on opportunity attacks, that sort of thing. You can also technically get it on like bonus action attacks, I believe, as well. Mm -hmm. So you know, it opens it up to further chances for you to get your damage which is great um everything else about sneak attack is the same how you get it 
Um, level one thieves can't. That's whatever you know. Flavor stuff doesn't come into play much. Um, oh, it's different though. There's a there's a can't? change. I think. I don't know if it's different it's from the last one or not. The communities replying. Oh, you know thieves can't in one other language of your choice. Mm-hmm. Standard languages or rare languages. So you that's get an extra cool. language. Yeah. That's good. I guess. Again, that's like very depends on campaign your campaign. Dependent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh it's it's fine. Uh you also get your weapon mastery. Uh rogues get a weapon oh. mastery at level one. Oh. Um I believe. Yeah, it says your training with weapons allows you to use master property of two kinds of weapons of your choice, which you have proficiency with. So, martial weapons with finesse property, I think simple weapons, uh, you can have mastery for two of those. So, dagger, rapier, crossbow, um, which is fantastic. I, the weapon masteries are good. They give you more options in combat. Uh, they do cool stuff. So letting a rogue have that is a nice addition to rogue. I think that's very good. I'm glad they have it. Uh, second level, cunning action. I think this is more or less the same. I don't think there's been any changes with that. It says um, you can also you can also change your weapon mastery on a long rest. You can change what type I, of weapon. Yeah, I think that's just a part of weapon mastery mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, I think you're right. So. But yes, so if you get a new weapon and you want that mastery, yeah, you can change it. Uh, level three, rogues get their subclass, just like the other classes at level three. Um, also at a third level, you get steady aim. Steady, steady aim was an optional feature before. Now it's a part of rogue from the, from the jump, which is nice. Again, is another option. For those moments where maybe you're not uh, in advantageous position for melee, you can get your advantage, your sneak attack. Uh, I think it functions the same. You can't move that turn if you use it. But it's nice that it's a part of Rogue and not just like an optional feature from another book. So It's really great for ranged Rogues yes. oh, yeah. who are, who are out sure. of it and don't have to move. Just stay there and get your advantage. Just yep. sit, sit in the, you know... Easy sneak attack. Yeah. Right? Well, if you hit. Um, level four ability score. We know seventh level. Uh, was reliable talent. They moved then. Uh, I think reliable talent was. Where was that at before? That was at eleventh level before. They moved it to the seventh level, and I th- did it make any changes. No, it's still the same. Where any roll lower than an. A ten is automatically a minimum ten on your on your uh, skill or tool proficiencies when you make checks with those. So it's a good ability. Getting it sooner is great. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's, anything it's, you roll for a skill check or tool check, you just roll a ten or better. Yep. Looks like you. There's yep. a fifth level one that yeah, that is a huge the, new thing too, though. Did I miss yes. the fifth level one. You missed oh, it. Was it was right on the right side. side. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, this is a major one too because it's a new one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rogues get a new feature at level five called Cunning Strikes. Uh, it says you have developed cunning ways to use your sneak attack. When you deal sneak attack damage, you can add one of the following cunning strike effects. 
Uh, basically, we got a couple of effects here that you can do, very similar to like the weapon mastery properties. Um, first one's disarm. Uh, exactly as it says, you can uh, force the target to succeed or fail on dexterity saving throw. If they fail, they drop an item. It says item. Doesn't have to be a weapon necessarily. Uh, mm -hmm. So if your enemy is holding an object that's, you know, a, a magical focus or something like that, you can pick that. If they fail, they drop it. Uh, Before we go to the next one, I was reading through this. I hadn't seen this yet. And what's really cool about this is it has a die cost. So you forego one of your D6s from a sneak attack to do this, right? I was going to get to that. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, I was going to get that once we once I went through here because yeah, yeah. they give it they give you four options uh mm -hmm. this arm poison which you can poison the target again if they fail a con save uh you give them the uh, poison condition for one minute trip you knock the target down if they fail deck save withdrawal lets you move half your movement and you can move without provoking opportunity attacks each of these comes with a die cost so how this works is when you're dealing your sneak attack you have your at this level, it's 2d6, right? A fifth? Or is it three? I'll see. At fifth level, uh, it is yeah, three, three three d6. d6. So mm -hmm. you have your 3d6 sneak attack. You can choose to spend one of those dice to do one of these uh, extra actions. So and I think all four of these cost 1d6 to do. And does it specify you can do... More than one per turn. It says you can add one of each of the following. One of each? You could do all. No. I think you can expend all of them. For, if, you wanted, if you wanted to do on your turn three of these effects, you could set, sacrifice all of your sneak attack damage to do three effects, oh. I think is what they're saying. Wait, let me read this. This is my brain. This is you can add one of the following cunning strike effects. Just one. And then it says each effect has a die cost. So it looks like Okay, one. so never mind. Never yeah, mind. yeah. That's later on. Sorry, I'm thinking, so of, I'm thinking of later on because yeah. there's an update to it where uh, you can do an additional... Okay. Oh, right. nice. A little foreshadowing. That's my fault. That's my fault. Uh, I gotta well, go I, I made you jump thing. the gun because I got so excited about what it was anyway. So, <laughs> so you, we all know that sneak attack is rogues where most of their damage comes from. So this is a very interesting thing here where rogues before in combat they're just damage. They're, unless you were like an arcane trickster or something, there was not a whole lot of extra utility that was coming from your rogue. It was do your damage on your turn. Next turn, do your damage. This, along with the, the weapon mastery, gives the rogues some more fun options that they did not have before. Some battlefield control. Um, with withdrawal, you get a bit more defense. Um, it's great. It's a new feature that adds to the rogue, doesn't take anything away. I think mechanically having it cost one of your sneak attack dice is fine because again, you don't have to do these. These are extra options. Mm -hmm. So the choice is entirely yours. Yeah, I, I think it's a great adder. Yeah. It looks it's like they just for utility. They just lifted it right out of the of like the battle master book. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're like maneuvers essentially, which is which is cool because they're, you know, if they have other like poison that's different, that's distinct enough for which, a rogue. Which makes me wonder. We have this 
on Rogue, we have the Weapon Master. Is, is Battle Master gone now for Fighter? Are we just not going to see Battle Master? No, no, no. no. Um, Alex, we said no from... utility. They meant in combat. They're just in damage. combat. In combat, there's out a... of combat. Rogues are utility gods. So. Yes, yes. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking in your actions in combat. Yeah, rogues. Unless you were like an arcane trickster or something wonky like that, then. <laughs> You sneak attack. That's what you did. You sneak <laughs> attack. You do damage, <laughs> which for some people that's acceptable and fine. But this is a, more fun things that don't screw with the class in a negative way that just add to the class. It's fine. Yeah, and they they calculate the saving throw the same way that battle masters do too. So it's basically the DC is what eight plus your proficiency bonus plus your dex mod. So that's super cool. Yeah. 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 And also at fifth level, and Kenny dodges there, same as before. I think that was also fifth level before. Yeah, uh, that hasn't changed. Um, sixth level expertise again, same as it was before, I believe. Seventh level evasion, so that's also the same. Um, and like I said before, reliable talent moved from eleven to seven, which is wonderful. Now more people have an opportunity to use it since it came kind of late uh mm-hmm. in most campaigns so that's just uh there you go village an even better utility sooner <laughs> <laughs> um uh eighth level ability score ninth level subclass um 11th level this is the improved cunning strikes so this takes the cunning strikes from before mm-hmm. and m- tweaks them so that you can pick two effects oh when you do sneak attack and you'll have 66 by level 11. you have 66 so you can choose to sacrifice two of those dice if you want two effects on a particular target mm-hmm. again die there's a die cost to those and we're going to get to the 14th level ability uh right now because this has a, a factor here because it adds three more uh this is called dv strikes at 14th uh, level um, it gives you three more options, basically. So three more cunning strike uh, things you can do. The first one uh, is Daze. Cost 2d6 this time. Uh, target must succeed on a con save throw, or it is has the Daze con- uh, condition till its next turn. End of its next turn. Cool. I'm going to look up the Daze condition, because I don't know if I remember. They may, they may have changed it. Yeah. While dazed, you can experience or you experience the following effect. You can move or take one action on your turn, but not both. You also can't take a bonus action or a reaction. So I think that that's new. Maybe because I think that's a lot of things that happen based on spell effects, but I don't know if it was in fifth edition. Yeah, that might have been an effect that only certain spells had. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's new. It's new. Oh, it's new. So. Um, at a 2d6 cost, that's a very nice, uh, sort of, uh, battlefield utility sort of control, partly control, partly defense. Cause you're taking away something from the enemy. Uh, that's always helpful. I think that's a good combo with withdrawal. If you daze them and then you withdraw, then they, all they could do is move to you. Right. So that's, yes, um, but you'll be spending 3d6. That's true. Do all that. mm-hmm. So again, you can do it. It's just you'll be cutting into your damage. So 
a, this is that's great. I think the trade off is fair for that. Mm -hmm. I think uh, for that effect, two d six is fine. Now knockout cost sixty six. So I believe this is all of your. Uh, oh, you I believe you have seven. Yeah. So almost all of your uh, sneak mm -hmm. attack damage for the ability to, if a target fails a con save, they go unconscious for one minute. Oh shit. <laughs> That's awesome. It's awesome, but the unconscious target can make a save at the end of each of its turns. And ah. I think it doesn't say anything about being hit. Yeah, until it takes damage. Until yeah. it takes damage. So oh, one minute or until it takes damage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it is very strong at a cost of 66. I don't know if it's that strong. I, I, <sighs> I think I would probably go for days over that. Uh, the cheaper cost, maybe. I, I can see that being reliable if you absolutely need to just uh, take one enemy out of the equation briefly. Well, if it's like a uh, situation where you're trying to capture someone, I think that makes it top priority because then you just knock mm -hmm. them out. You have yeah. enough time to, you know, put manacles on them or tie them up uh, just to like. So you can get your target. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we unconscious as a condition is really can be really powerful because even says it lasts until their attacked or whatever. But remember that when you're unconscious, any attack roll that hits you, if you're adjacent to him, is a critical hit. So That's regardless true. of if you're trying to get away or trying to capture somebody, your your rogue could knock him down. And then before their next turn comes around, have another heavy hitter get a, a crit on him if they just hit him. True. It is strong. I think it's still kind of situational. Mm -hmm. For yeah. costing 66, which is yeah. a majority of attack damage. I mm -hmm. think in the right scenarios, it's very powerful. I, I just not sure you're going to see many rogue players opt for that. Like in most combat scenarios. Maybe yeah, if, it's just a, if it's a kill or be kill situation, yeah, there's there's no reason they would use that. Uh, unless either way, it's a cool uh, it's a cool thing for them to be able to do. Yeah, for sure. It's again, that's a very powerful uh, condition to put on somebody. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you have obscure is the other option. Um, this costs three of your d6 on your sneak attack. Again, these are only if you hit somebody with sneak attack. These aren't mm -hmm. on any of your other yeah. hits. Just your sneak attack hit. You can do these. Um, you strike near a target's eyes. The target must succeed on a dexterity saving throw, or it has the blinded condition until its next turn. Very also nice. pretty strong. For 3d6, I think you could see a lot of people opting to do that. Um, you are cutting into your damage by almost half, but it is a powerful ability to have. It's a good defensive ability. If the target can't see, they can't hit, more or less, or they disadvantage, right? Yeah, I think it's a really good trade-off, just because a lot of these conditions will either last until they save or until, like, the end of their next turn. So depending on the order, like, like using Obscure and making your opponent blinded until the end of the next turn, that opens up a lot of possibilities for your other teammates as well. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... Again, that's just giving you more on top of what Counting Strikes already gave you at 5th level. 
So if you do have a campaign that takes you this high and you play Rogue straight through, uh, I think this is a very strong feature at level 14. I think this is, and it's very, there's no other class that has this. This is very, this could turn into very much Rogue. Rogue's identity is, is having these super deadly sneak attack strikes where they can also inflict conditions on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like a, they're a playmaker now. They can, yeah. they can set up mm-hmm. combat to help your allies to perform better. Exactly, exactly. Uh, 15th level is Slippery Mind. Uh, I'm not really familiar with this. I don't know if there's been any changes to it. Uh, you gain efficiency and wisdom and charisma saving throws. Yeah. Um, level 17, or sorry, level 18 uh, is elusive. That's uh, at the same place. Uh, no attacks get advantage uh, on you unless you're incapacitated. I think that's also the same as before. In uh, level 20, you get Stroke of Luck. I believe this is new, right? I don't remember if it's the same. Uh, oh, no, no, no. It's the, same. Or not. it's the same. Well, it's, it's... I don't know if they made any changes. Uncanny Knack, if you fail a D20 test, you can turn the roll into a 20. I... That's the same. I don't know. As a capstone for the class, it seems fine. It's, I guess it can so, be powerful if you need it for certain things, but... Yeah, they're saying if you fail a D20 test, so I need to see what a D20 test is in this D&D. So it's basically saying, yeah, it's it can either be an ability check, an attack roll, or a saving throw. Save, so, yeah. So any anything anything you roll a d twenty four if you fail it you can just say I roll a twenty. Yeah, it's strong. <laughs> I a twentieth level. I mean that's I a that's a free crit right? Because it's treated as a natural twenty or it's just a twenty. It's a good question. <laughs> it just says you. I it just says you can turn the roll into a twenty. They don't. Say... I guess that would be a crit because if you turn the roll into a twenty, yeah, yeah. then that's a natural twenty. Yeah, I guess yeah, then. Free crit. Which uh, at level, level, at level 20, that's 10d6 of your sneak attack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's 20. Okay, that's, if you use it in that way, it's strong. Like, pretty yep. strong. Or hitting so a clutch. How, like a, a clutch um, saving throw as well would be good. Yeah. yeah, especially how we're doing crits now for campaign two. Like, with the the first set of dice are maximized, and then you roll an additional set. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. just the spicy dammies right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess we can move on to the, the subclasses now. Um, yeah. First one they have is Arcane Trickster. Uh, I'm not too familiar with this. Um, so We might want to hit the highlights on these. Yeah. For, for the sake of time, since Max needs to talk, uh, like pick one of your favorites or that you thought was the most interested to you. Um... I think there's uh, some fun changes to Assassin. I can um, do that if you guys want. Sure. Um, Let me see. They made some changes to Assassinate. um, Where I think before they relied on Surprise uh, to get like their Assassinate skills or their, their big damage or whatever. Um, I don't think you need to rely on the surprise now. Um, I think it says 
yeah, during the first round of combat, you have advantage on attack rolls on any creature that hasn't taken a turn yet. Uh, if your sneak attack hits any target during that round, the target takes extra damage of the weapon's type equal to your rogue level. So prior, this only worked if it was surprise, mm-hmm. which was not very often. Now uh, it feels this, more in line with like the bugbear like racial feature. It's definitely much more reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, I think the dam I don't know if this is lower or more damage than the old one with how they're doing, but I think you're just adding a flat damage to it based on your rogue level. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's cool. always good. And it gives you advantage or on initiatives where you had to take a feat before. Yes. That's awesome. Yes, that is true. That is true. Um, but in the other thing is you don't necessarily need to win the advantage race. You don't have to go first for this or anything like that. As long as you are not attacking an enemy that has not gone yet, you have this. Mm-hmm. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So I feel like um, having enemies be surprised is so unreliable and it kind of is like in yeah. like clash with you have to like get your whole party on board that you're gonna try and ambush people every single time. Yeah. And it sucks that your like class, like your main like subclass like feature depended on that. So I, I like this. Another thing I want to mention real quick is their thirteenth level um feature called Envenom Weapons. Uh this is an extra thing for their cunning strike feature. If you choose the poison option for cunning strike, uh and you have envenomed weapons. The target also takes 2d6 poison damage whenever it fails to saving throw. This damage ignores resistance to poison damage. Wow. Oh, dang. Thank, thank God, because poison resistance is one of the most resistant things in the, in the monster manual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wish. It is strong. At 13th level, I, I'm not sure how many people are going to get there. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's strong. I, I, I probably it's just the fact that nor resistance is very powerful. Um, yeah, but it's it's for that two d six damage though. Yeah, yeah. It's which in turn, you the and the poison option takes one d six to use. So essentially, you just get one more d six of damage, and how it like balances out, right? You get an extra d yeah. six. Yes, because it will cost you the one die, but mm-hmm. you're you get two more poison. Two. So. There you go. Um, other than that, uh, Swashbuckler got some changes. I They're not that impressive, I don't think. Um, they did get some stance stuff. Uh, this is also cunning strike things for Swashbuckler. Real quick, they're a 13th level ability called Dashing Strikes. Uh, you get parry stance at the cost of 2d6. Until the start of your next turn, you gain a bonus to your AC equal to the number rolled, which is fantastic. A huge defensive option for Swashbuckler, and then also Invigorate at 2d6. You choose a creature you can see within 30 feet of yourself until the end of that creature's next turns. Whenever it makes an attack roll or saving throw, it can roll a d6 and add that number to the roll uh, or saving throw. So a fun 13th level feature, I think, is new for Swashbuckler, uh, also using Cunning Strike. I I think the takeaway from this for Rogues, um, they just got better overall. Yeah. I like how um, each subclass has like something t- that adds on to their cunning strike options. Yes. They they came up with a new feature for the base class and they didn't just stop there. 
they actually have some fun stuff in subclasses now that build on top of that, which is great. Yeah. I mean, rogues are already powerful. Now they're even better. I want to call something out because I think it's hilarious. Um, I know rogue isn't, isn't mine, but I saw in the arcane trickster at level 13, the versatile trickster. So when you use disarm or trip with your cunning strike, you can also target that option at a creature within five feet of your of your mage hand. Yes. <laughs> so I, your mage hand <laughs> can can disarm or trip somebody. <laughs> yes. I that is crazy. <laughs> I I was going to I skipped Arcane Trister because like I'm not familiar with the the one we have now. Yeah. That also did stick out to me because now mm-hmm. you can it, it's like you have a little uh your your mage hand is like a little extra asshole on the battlefield that's like just pulling people's feet asshole. out from under them. It's, it's like it's like, <laughs> it's like Baldur's Gate three, man. <laughs> Except yeah. you can't shove everybody with your mage hand. Mm. Yeah, I, saw, yeah, I thought that was hilarious and super cool used for that. That's the thirty foot range with mage hand, so that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, awesome. So there you go. Um, I don't have much more to say about the, the rogue stuff. There's Thief there. You guys can look at it if you want to. I'm not going to get into Thief, but um, overall, very good. They, they did a, a solid job. I hope it stays this way. I'm sure some stuff can use some tweaking. Um, I didn't get too into the nitty-gritty of things, but mm-hmm. uh, overall, you, this is a win for rogue lovers everywhere, I think. Yeah, big time. Let's talk about Druid. Max? Yes. The spiciest, the spiciest class from the la- from the previous oh, playtest. It's still kind of spicy. So <laughs> basically what I've seen is like there's some recurring themes in some of these choices that the Druids can make. And you can either focus on like your wild shape stuff or you can focus on like the spellcasting type stuff. And what I've seen is that the four subclasses that are going to be in the new PHB are going to be land, moon, stars from Tasha's as well as C, which is a brand new one that we're going to cover today too. Um, but first we'll get into the normal Druid stuff. So that healing blossom that was in the previous one, they took that out. Um, that's no longer part of it. And, uh, there's no more like channel nature. That was like basically the, um, that was similar to cleric stuff that was, that was removed, but there's some other fun stuff in here. Uh, so the first thing that we can talk about is right at level one, um, they added, you know, you get druidic is, is level one, which is, you know, the language, but also, uh, it says that you always have to speak with animals prepared now because of that, which is pretty cool. And it gives you some rules on, um, how other people can try and spot your druidic hidden messages if they want to. And then at first level, you choose a primal order. So you can choose either Magician or Warden. Um, Warden uh, allows you to gain martial weapon proficiency and medium armor training. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) And um, Magician gives you an extra cantrip from the primal spell spell list. Um, And you also have a bonus to your nature checks. Uh, It's equal to your wisdom modifier. Uh, So your intelligence nature checks have also plus wisdom as well, which is kind of cool. 
uh, spell casting is the same. It's there's still you you uh, change your prepared spells during a long rest, so they're an actual prepared caster, um, like we were referring to earlier. Um, they still have their wild companion at second level, um, where you basically can cast Find Familiar and disappears when you finish a long rest. Um, they move Wild Shape back to second level. Uh, so it's back down to second level. And there's some change with Wild or with Wild Shape here. So let me pull oh this here. So now Wild Shape is a bonus action for everybody. Every single druid is it's a bonus action. That used to be exclusive to Circle of the Moon. Um, so now everyone can kind of have that fun stuff like you saw in the D&D movie where you can just wild shape in and out, you know, as a bonus action and do cool stuff, which I, I like. Um, so as a bonus action, you transform into a beast form that you've learned for this feature. We'll talk about known forms later on. <clears throat> so you stay in that form for a number of rounds equal to half your druid level. Um, or until you use wild shape again or have incapacitated condition or die, whatever. Same thing's there. So bonus action. So your known forms. So you start knowing three forms for this feature. So no longer can you choose every single beast in every single book in every single D&D 5th edition. Uh, I like it as a DM moves. I know I, you don't like it. I hate it. <laughs> I know you don't like it, but I like it. But here's the thing. Um, so you start off knowing your three forms chosen from a beast stat block with your max channel or challenge rating, all that stuff. Um, but the thing is, is that whenever you finish a long rest, you can replace one of your known forms with another eligible form. So I think it's, I think it's a compromise to where at least the DM can know what you're planning on doing in this adventuring day uh, versus that's, picking that's true. Because the thing is, is it says beast. And every monster manual, adventure book, whatever, depending on how open your DM is, like that could be from any single like book. So I think it's a good compromise that you still have access to all of them. You just pick three for a day. And I think that that helps players in a way too of like, hey, I know what three I'm using today. Here are the stat blocks uh, versus well, I'm going to change into this random thing and that kind of stuff. So I don't mind it. I think it's fine. You learn additional forms. Um, as higher levels. So like a fourth level, you know, four, eighth level, you know, five, and then your max CR and all that stuff goes up. Um, same thing for like your number of uses. I believe that's the same. Um, you regain one expended use on a short rest and then all expended uses on a long rest at this point now. And so I think there's some different rules when you're transformed though. So there's a rules when transformed. While in a form, you retain your personality, memories, and ability to speak, and the following rules apply. So you can still talk when you're transformed. Um, so your game statistics are replaced by the statistics of the beast, but you retain your hit points, hit dice, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma scores. You retain your class features, species traits, languages, and feats. And you also retain your skill and saving throw proficiencies and use your own proficiency bonus for them. Um, it says, if the creature has the same proficiency as you and the bonus in its stat block is higher than yours, use the creature's bonus instead of yours. Uh, if it has any legendary or lair actions, you can't use them. 
So basically you, and I watched an interview on this and basically what they were saying is that it was almost, they didn't realize how, how much the wild shape getting that extra chunk of HP really makes the druids just like a crazy tank, right? It's just, you're adding a whole giant HP pool on top of things, um, which I get. There's some other cool stuff that we'll come down to when we talk about the circle of the moon, though, that, that adds some other cool stuff to that. Um, same thing is you can't cast spells um, when you're when you're in wild shape, but you can still maintain concentration. Um, and it says like your ability to handle objects is determined by by your form <laughs> rather than your own. Um, and the same thing is you choose whether your equipment falls to the ground or, or merges into your new form or is worn by it. Worn equipment functions as normal, but the DM decides whether it is practical for the new form to wear a piece of equipment based on the creature's size and shape. <laughs> so your equipment doesn't change size or shape to match the new form. Um, and it says anything that you're not wearing has to either be dropped or like merged into you. So that's kind of what they did with um with your with the wild shape now from what i see from that check something i took some notes but i'm losing my place here let's see okay so there's some other stuff that's that's later in circle the moon that will that will change things so this bear in mind this is just the wild shape that every druid gets this isn't the circle of the moon specific type stuff you still choose beasts you choose three for a day or however many based on your level. Uh, yeah, bear in mind. <laughs> uh, no more like predetermined stat blocks that everybody hated. So third level, you get your subclass, um, which is fine. Fourth level, ability score. Uh, fifth level is wild resurgence. So this is, they brought it down to fifth level and changed it. Um, so if you have no uses of wild shape left, you can give yourself one by expanding a spell slot. No action required. And you can do so only once per turn. In addition, you can expend one use of a wild shape, no action required, to give yourself a first level spell slot. And you can't do so again until you finish a long rest. So it's almost like the sorcerer sorcery points thing, where you yeah. can turn spell slots into wild shapes, and then a wild shape into a spell slot with with kind of a cap on it, which I think is super cool. Because if you're a spellcasty like magiciany druid, like you're probably not going to wild shape unless you really have to. And it, it adds a right. lot of utility to be like, I want my spell back so I can do other stuff with it. And vice versa for moon druids where yeah. they're not casting spells all the time. They can change forms as much as they want. Yeah. Super cool. Um, sixth level subclass feature, seventh level elemental fury. So you can choose one of these options. So once again, it's either do you want to be a shapeshifty druid or a spelly druid, a spellcaster one. So they have potent spellcasting. You add your wisdom modifier to the damage you deal with any primal cantrip. So any cantrip now gets your wisdom modifier added to it. Uh, there's also primal strike is one you could choose. So once on each of your turns, when you hit a creature with an attack roll using a weapon or a beast forms attack in wild shape, you can cause the target stick to take an extra 1d8 cold, fire, lightning, or thunder damage. And you choose which which type whenever you hit, which element you want to do. That's awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. I like that. 
little bit of a little bit of elemental damage in your in your beast form, which I think is is awesome. Eighth level ability score, ninth level commune with nature, which is a new one. Yeah, you are an expression of nature itself and can commune with the natural world all around you. You always have the commune with nature spell prepared. You don't know what the commune with nature spell is. Let's see. Let me find it. Let me find it. Uh, I'm not prepared to land within three miles of you unless they changed it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't in, I was searching the UA document, but it's not in the UA document. So I'm guessing it's the, uh, the same. Yeah. You become yeah. one with nature and gain knowledge of the surrounding territories in the mm -hmm. out spell gives you knowledge of the land within three miles of you in caves or other natural underground settings. The radius is limited to 300 feet. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know up to three facts of your choice about any of the following subjects as they relate to the area. So terrain and bodies of water, plants, minerals, animals, or peoples, powerful celestial fey fiends, elementals are undead, influence other planes of existence, or just anything about the buildings that are there. How do you feel about that being at ninth level? It's a fifth level spell in the first place. So a fifth level spell, you normally, you would get access at ninth level anyway. So, so it's just, you're basically for free being able to cast that. Yeah. Well, it's not even that. It's just, you always have it prepared. So I don't know. I, f I feel a little less good about this now. It's like you're getting seem... that always prepared, but. I get that I it's a, a higher level spell, but it's not like. Give them one use for free, I think. Yeah. With the ninth I think level you let feature. Them cast yeah. it for free. But it's still having to use a spell slot at ninth. Very situational spell. That's, yeah. I think that's a pretty weak at ninth level. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think the spell's cool, but I misread it because I thought you got one for free, but you don't. So, yeah, they need to have, definitely do like a once for free on long rest or whatever. Yeah. My bad on that one. Yeah. 10th level subclass feature. Um, 12th level ability score improvement, 14th level subclass feature, 15th level improved elemental fury. So the potent spell casting now, uh, says if you cast a cantrip, that's a primal cantrip of range 10 feet or greater, uh, the spell's range increases by 300 feet. <laughs> so it's basically it's the spell sniper <laughs> attached to it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then the primal strike increases to 2d8 at 15th level. I feel like um, the potent spell casting is a little weak for level 15. Yeah. Yeah. How often are you going to cast a cantrip at that level, you know? Unless you're like conserving spells, but. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it depends. Um, yeah. And then 2d8, uh, 15th level. I don't know. You have to like really play that to see. Um, yeah. 18th level, there's beast spells, which is when you're in wild shape, you can cast spells in beast form except for any spell that has a material component with a cost or that consumes its material component. So that's kind of cool. 18th level, you cast your spells while in wild shape form. And then they have their 20th level, their arched druid um, capstone, which I believe is just the same as what it's always been. So I won't really... Um, no, no, it doesn't. It's actually got some new stuff in it, so my bad. 
So you have your evergreen wild shape. So whenever you roll initiative and have no uses of wild shape left, you regain one expended use of it. Um, there's longevity. Um, for every 10 years that pass, your body age is only one year, which is all like RP type stuff. Um, nature magician. You can, you can convert uses of wild shape into a spell slot. No action required. Choose a number of your unexpended uses of wild shape and convert them into a single spell slot with each use contributing two spell levels. So for every one wild shape um, you expend, you gain two, uh, uh, two spell levels for what, one, basically. Which so, scales now, right? Because currently you only get two forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the wild shape uses does, does scale. You can get up to four um, at 17th level. So you could expend four wild shape uses and get an eighth level spell. <laughs> back that, that's pretty good that's that's pretty cool i think it's not not super flashy but seems useful two two of the three of those things are pretty good yeah the longevity um, one is like yeah yeah but that's what they all, <laughs> that's what they always gotten since like the old has days. it yeah 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 uh and then you can do that basically once per long rest your nature magician do you want my do you want my kind of hot take after reading these? Mm -hmm. I actually like the epic boons at level 20. I like yeah, when they too. bumped the capstones up to 18. Yeah. And had an epic boon at level 20. I, I, I think just they're don't, I think at level 20, a lot of these things just are like they're okay. Yeah. I, I feel like really that could easily working. be like a level 18 thing, and then level 20, you get your crazy shit. Mm -hmm. I don't. That's just me. I don't know. I hope whatever they do with epic boons, I hope it's like seems like they're reworking it because they're like, yeah, this is not mm -hmm. this is not what people are liking. So because they mentioned so, in the UA that they're gonna they're gonna re-release epic boons in the future. Yeah, it's interesting that people didn't like it. I don't, hmm. So I'm gonna jump out on some of the subclasses now. I'll do some really quick hits on some of because the, there's some cool changes to Circle of the Land, but I know everyone wants to talk about Circle of the Moon, but um, so circle of the land kind of some quick hits there is that you pick from the list of four land types each day. It's not, you pick oh. one forever and that's what you're stuck oh. in every single long rest. You can choose what sort of land you want to pick. And there's different spells associated with each land type. Um, that's very good. Yeah. So they have arid, polar, temperate, and tropical are the four now. Um, and you get certain spells associated with that. Um, there is a, a thing that you can do that's called, uh, I believe it is Nature's Sanctuary is one of them. Uh, and Land's Aid is another. So yeah, Land's Aid will basically allow you to use your wild shape uh, like sp slot to create like this magical like foliage around you that can damage enemies or heal allies. So they kind of took that healing blossom and like shoved it into circle of the land itself and gave it kind of its own cool thing. Um, yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then they also get um, basically nature's sanctuary uh, where you're basically provide protection to your allies around you with like spectral trees and vines and stuff like that. And it also uses uh, one of your wild shape uses, which is super cool. Because if you're a circle of the land, you might not be changed into a wild shape a whole lot, but you can use that resource to do cool stuff with it. 
Um, so those interesting changes circle the land, and I love the fact that you can change your land type every day. I am grooting your party with Nature Sanctuary. Yeah, and I think the way that like the, <laughs> the the circle of the land, they said it was now the quintessential like nature, like magic, like magician, like user kind of thing. So I think that's pretty cool there. Um, I will say that Circle the Sea is the brand new one. It's all like, you know, giving stuff for like swimming underwater, breathing underwater, like swim speeds, incorporates a lot of like ocean, like thunder type of stuff, uh, which is super cool. I, I like it thematically, I think. Man, that'd be so good right now in campaign two. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know much about Circle of the Land or any kind of Druid subclasses, really, but hearing this version mm -hmm. sounds really kind of fun to me. Like, no one really picked land yeah. in, in current D&D because it was, you were stuck to these terrains. Um, yeah, and now you got the freedom to to swap it up. So this, I think a lot more people will dip into it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in like Circle of the Sea, they have like aquatic affinity for like water breathing, swim speed, that kind of stuff. They have like Wrath of the Sea, which is like a like a thunder aura around you, which is super cool. Uh, so very thematic, and when and you're right, would be very good for this current campaign that we're in. Um. But I know everyone wants to talk about Circle of the Moon. Um, Mexican Emmy has that. I needs that. <laughs> you want to not be Circle of the Moon anymore? You, you can. You can be. We can talk about the Circle of the Sea if you want. Uh, but Circle of the Moon. So there's some. There's some uh, main updates. So third level. Um, the challenge ratings are back to what they were. So a normal Circle of the Moon. Um, and they have their third level, which is combat wild shape. Um, so third level combat wild shape. When you assume a wild shape form, compare the beast's AC to your AC, including any armor that you're wearing, but not a shield. While in that form, you choose whichever AC is higher. So, oh, in so instead of getting the, the, you know, they took away your, your whole bunch of extra hit points. But now they're letting you do your armor class. So if you have a, a higher AC as a druid, then you, your form, you take your druid's AC. Um, also, you get temporary hit points. So when you assume a wild-shaped form, you gain a number of temp HP equal to the form's hit points or three times your druid level, whichever number is lower. So you get temp HP for the HP for that form or three times your druid level. So, you know, if you were turning into a wolf, it says you get 11 HP that are temporary hit points. And what's interesting about this, though, is that. Um, <clears throat> so what's what's good about this is that. No longer are you just knocked out of your animal form because your your beast lost the HP, right? You stay in right. your animal form the whole time with the temp HP and your HP until you're incapacitated or, you know, however long it runs out, how long can you be in animal form? Um, but yeah, Zeus, there's no reason to take an animal form that is, that is good AC unless it is the only advantage it gives you. So I feel like most beasts had lower AC anyway. A lot of them did. Um, but yeah. if the beast's AC is higher than, it, than your AC, then yeah, it's still an advantage to you because you can choose that beast's AC instead uh, amongst what other, whatever else advantages it has. 
um, to you. So yeah, it's a little more, a little more nuanced, but um, maybe that the beast that has high AC also has high HP that gives you more temp HP, probably depending on, usually doesn't work that way, but. Um, also, while in wild shape form, you can cast your abjuration spells. As long as there's a material component, or as long as there's no material component with a cost, or if it consumes that component, you can't use those. Um, and then Moonbeam. You always have the Moonbeam spell prepared while in wild shape form, and you can cast the spell in that form without material components. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and awesome. So they wanted, they basically said that for Circle of the Moon, while all the other subclasses are sort of thematic, Circle of the Moon really didn't have anything to do with the moon <laughs> other than just shape-shifting. So they're trying to work That's some true. of that in there. Mm. Um, so yeah. But, you know, I get what you're saying, Zeus, is like the balance versus like a a, a, a high AC and damage output or, or whatever is... This is only for one particular subclass that gets it, and that's kind of their their benefit of choosing AC. Um, and with that, I think druids only get, is it light armor? Is it medium armor? I miss, I miss well, light armor. Medium, unless you if take you're the, the warden. warden. Yeah, so light or medium. Now. Yeah. yeah. I was like, well, why do I care about martial weapon and medium armor as a druid? But then now it makes sense if you're going moon form. Yeah, yeah. So then that, that would be it. Um... And then six level, you have improved circle forms. So six level, the maximum challenge rating of for your wild shape now equals your druid level divided by three. In addition, each of your attacks in a wild shape form can deal its normal damage type or radiant damage. You make this choice each time you hit with those attacks. So bringing in sort of the moon type stuff again, which is neat. Uh, tenth level, moonlight step. So, 10th level, you magically transport yourself, reappearing amid a burst of moonlight. As a bonus action, you teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space you can see. And you have advantage on the next attack roll you make before the end of this turn. And it's tied to your wisdom modifier, how many times you can use it, and they recharge on a long rest. Um, or you can expend a spell slot of second or higher for each use you want to restore as well. So you can trade in spell slots for Moonlight Step. Interesting. So the, the, can you only do this at night and then when there's moonlight? Or you could do it anytime? Anytime. The moon's always there. Yeah, it that's doesn't say. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, 14th level, Lunar Form. Um, this is the top level of the subclass, I think. Um, it says, the power of the moon suffuses you, granting you the following benefits. Movable moonbeam. While your moonbeam is active, you can move it up to 60 feet. At the start of each of your turns, no action required. You just move that moonbeam. Yeah, because currently you have to use an action to move uh -huh. the beam. Okay. All right. And then you also get shared moonlight. Whenever you use moonlight step, which is the one we just talked about, um, you can also teleport one willing creature. That must be within 10 feet of you and you teleport it to an occupied space you can see within 10 feet of your destination so you just take them with you within 10 feet and then drop them down 10 feet so that's, I, not, uh, that's not bad i don't think it's bad i think it is it is streets ahead <laughs> of 
the uh of the previous ua and i also like the fact that they're trying to actually tie in the moon somewhere with this and make it more thematic <laughs> i think they're going a little too heavy-handed with the moon thing though because now they're giving you like a bunch of stuff moon related mm -hmm. um but i guess that's fine the teleport is a little weird to me i i don't know what the moon has or, or what they conjure a beam of moonlight and it lets them teleport or something. I mean, if you want to get into semantics, how do any how does anything like that work in D and D? Well, I, I just mean like if they're <laughs> if they're trying to like do a moon themed thing, then like yeah, maybe they could have um give them a hybrid form, baby. You know, yeah, or or, mm -hmm. or like add another effect to like their moon beam or something where where like it does the damage, but there's also like another effect. Like uh, I, the teleport just seems kind of tacked on. I, yeah, I feel like I they're know. trying to add like because I feel like that their third level had something to do with with Moonbeam. Um, their fourteenth level has stuff to do with Moonbeam. Um, so I'm wondering if they wanted to add something else in there that wasn't Moonbeam related, because yeah, the only thing that's not Moonbeam Moonbeam related is level six and level ten. <laughs> but even the radiant damage instead of normal damage is kind of weird. Because uh, you I already like get your elemental fury, so I guess that's what I was gonna say. Now you could do radiant and like lightning and radiant and fire. Yeah, I I'm get down it. for that. Yeah. That's also huge physical damage. Yeah, that's also I, I like it. Is elemental fury? It lets you replace it, or it adds the damage on? I think it just adds the oh, damage it, on. It adds the damage, so you but get it. With, you're essentially getting extra D sixes. What we're saying is, with this, instead of doing physical damage you're doing radiant instead which so is you very can do important different elements for, well this is very important and in line with a lot of other marshals as well as like pure spellcasters that a lot of monsters at higher level will in ignore bludgeoning slashing or piercing damage hmm. from hmm. attacks that aren't magical weapons or just magic in general so this helps a moon druid bypass that it's a like well, it's like when you're a monk, like the key infused strikes kind of stuff. Well, they removed that from Druid Moon Druids then. Because before Moon Druids would have their attacks were considered magical. Mm hmm Yeah. It doesn't unless they, you're this Moon Druid. That's one thing to note too, and I did see this when I looked at Monk. They are it sounds like they're moving away from giving classes like innate magic. like magic Touches. uh stuff. Mm -hmm. to, to bypass resistances so i guess we'll see if they make any changes to like vulnerabilities or resistances mm -hmm. and stuff. resistances mm -hmm. and yeah, i don't know they're, they're definitely moving away from giving you just outright like magical properties on your stuff yeah i don't know i i really liked the circle of the moon changes i very much enjoy them and i and i i see that they kind of Tried to incorporate what people wanted, but also mm. made some meaningful changes to it. Does that mean Moon Druids are now going to have magical girl transformations when they when they wild shape? If your heart tells you, yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> this village says we need the whole gambit now. We need a circle of Mars, circle of Mercury, <laughs> circle Absolutely. of Venus. What if they just <laughs> yeah. circle of the cosmos? <laughs> well, there's a circle of stars as well. So oh, is there? Yeah, that's the that's the Tosh's one that's going to be the fourth uh, class in the, in the handbook when it comes oh. out. 
See, I know nothing about druids. Well, people <laughs> seem to like currently, so. The, yeah, 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 for sure. You have thoughts? That's why these changes make no sense. I love them. I like it a lot. You get your, you get your uh, wild shape stuff back to what people wanted in the first place. Not, not those little pre-built things. And <laughs> gives you a lot of you. Gives you a lot of utility where you can use your AC in wild shape. You can use t- you get a temp HP now. Um, and then the moonbeam fun stuff because why not? Shut up, Max. Yeah. Do you have to agree with me? I know, I know we are uh, over time, um, so thanks for yeah, hanging yeah. with us. I, I do want to add one thing that because Max and not me, we're paladin lovers, that Lay on Hands is now a bonus action. Boom! That what is? Lay on Hands, hands is a bonus action, yeah. baby! Isn't it, didn't they, one kind of downside for paladins, didn't they change Divine Smite to a spell? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. They sure <laughs> did. That's going to be a fun time. Oof. But yeah. <laughs> I know anyway. we were going to say we talked about stuff we didn't like, but I think we we did we got most of that out of the way, so. Yeah, yeah. I would have loved to talk about Paladin, but but go read that on your own time. We don't have time for it. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for watching, thanks for listening. Um let us know what you thought about the new UA changes. Tell us if you love or hate the new Moon Druid. <laughs> But it's, anyway, it's, uh, it's still fine. spicy, but it's I, better. I love it. I love it. But anyway, with that being said, um, tomorrow uh, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m., there are art streams with Bun. She's still feeling a little under the weather, so it's kind of touch and go. So just just check us out tomorrow on our socials. Uh, jump on our Discord or check out our Twitter to see if that's going to happen tomorrow because uh, she's still a little under the weather. Um, but then, of course, on... Uh, Thursdays are out of combat's going to drop. Um, well, not this week because we didn't have one last week, but uh, Thursdays are out of combat will drop um, from the previous episode from, or from the episode from the previous week. And then, of course, this Friday will be episode, is it nine this week? Episode yes. nine? Uh, episode nine, yeah. Episode nine on Friday, 6 p.m. Be here or don't, but then I'll be sad at you. So just we'll be, be here. on a ship. Then, and then watch Maybe. it on the YouTube because we're 40 hours away, baby. Yeah, we're yeah. Hitting 3,000 hours, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, do, do them things. Anyway, thanks for watching, and uh, we will see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Yep. Bye.